beloved church, happy Sunday. Please pray with me. God, who is our beginning and our end, and our companion on the journey, speak to us today. Stir our hearts, transform our thinking, and guide our steps as we seek to follow you. Amen. Okay, it is Lent, so I have a confession. I do not like the children's classic, The Velveteen Rabbit. I know, it's a favorite of many, including my spouse. But I always associate it with big, sad feelings that just have always felt too much for my body to hold. If you are not familiar with this classic children's book, it's the story of a velveteen stuffed rabbit who gradually becomes the favorite of the boy to whom he was gifted. As his fuzz wears off from love and cuddles, he learns from other ancient and beloved toys that being loved is what makes a toy real and not just pretend, which is lovely. The part I can't handle is when the boy, having cuddled his beloved rabbit through a life-threatening bout of scarlet fever, learns that even though he has recovered, he cannot keep the velveteen rabbit because it, he, it has germs on it that could reinfect him. Through fairy magic, the rabbit is spared incineration and turns into a real-life rabbit and hops away into the forest to lead a happy rabbit life, which is beautiful from the rabbit's perspective. But I have always identified with that boy. And at the end of the story, his most beloved stuffed animal is still gone. I had a beloved fabric doll, a doll named Jenny, one that my mother made me when I was four years old. And the thought that finding comfort in my beloved Jenny when I was sick could possibly result in me never being able to hold her again that was just about the worst loss that I could imagine as a child. I didn't want to think about it. I did not want to feel sadness that big in my body. I still don't, if I'm honest. Decades later, I am still not a huge fan of big feelings in my body. I'm fine with other people's big feelings. I can hold a lot of space for grief and anger and fear and guilt. That doesn't scare me. But when I feel emotions rising in my own body, my pulse rate changing and my face heating up, do not like it. For a long time, I practiced putting feelings on the back burner. There were more important things to attend to in the foreground, school or work or theater productions or musical performances family commitments, chores, volunteering. I believed I could do so much more. I could accomplish so many more things if I could just sweep those feelings into a corner where I wouldn't keep tripping over them. Except that big feelings stuck on a back burner eventually boil over, right? Or they make us sick. Our bodies, it turns out, are meant to express the emotions that we feel. 
That's part of how we complete the stress cycle and signal to our bodies that we have made it past a threat and can rest in safety and celebrate that place. Not only is crying okay, but it's necessary. It's a necessary part of our bodies finding equilibrium and returning to a place of rest. In our gospel text today, we see Jesus expressing a whole bunch of big feelings. He's been traveling toward Jerusalem and teaching about the realm of God. Right before this event, he was teaching about a great reversal. All of the people who are expecting to be first in line into the kingdom of God may well find themselves entering last. And the people they expect to be at the end of the line, well, those might be the people entering first. Which is great news for the people who have made to be, feel like outsiders and outcasts or failures. It is not great news for the people who consider themselves a success. And it's especially bad news for those of us who are really good at religious stuff. Especially if we believe it makes us morally superior to others. So it makes sense that this is the moment when some of the religious leaders come and tell Jesus that he needs to move along. Herod is looking to kill him, and they don't want any trouble. Jesus responds with anger. At least that's how I hear it. And that is consistent with most of our human experience. Anger is frequently the first emotion to surface when we experience rejection or threat. Jesus calls Herod a fox, which may or may not have been an insult, but he's definitely confronting these religious leaders and implying that they are conspiring with Herod, not looking out for his well-being. Next, Jesus makes it clear that Herod is not going to stop him from doing the job that he needs to do. He won't stop him today, won't stop him tomorrow. By the third day, Jesus will have accomplished his goal. And in what surely sounds like a snarky aside, Jesus adds, after all, everyone knows Jerusalem is the city that kills the prophets. Herod can't possibly kill me when I'm not even in Jerusalem yet. But here we come to a shift. What started out with these edges of anger begins to shift into lament, which again is so very much like what we know human emotions unfold. Behind and beneath the anger, we almost always find fear and sadness. And as we mature and become more secure in ourselves and with God, we find it easier to move through the anger to these more tender emotions. Tender, but still so big. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Is this still part of the message that these religious leaders are meant to transmit to Herod? Or should we think of this more as a soliloquy? The moment when Jesus steps away from the conflict and looks to the horizon, overcome with his own emotions. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
you kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. It's easy to imagine that Jesus is anticipating his own rejection in Jerusalem, perhaps with fear. But the fear does not drive him. No, his words shift again almost immediately into sadness. And not the sadness of personal rejection. The tender, compassionate lament of a mother who wants to comfort and protect her children. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as a mother bird collects her babies under her wings, yet you refuse me. In this moment, in this lament, we see Jesus embodying divine love. Love that moves through the anger and the hurt of rejection and even violence and to a place of compassion. Herod, the fox, is now one of this brood of baby birds that Jesus longs to gather and protect. This particular image of God as a mothering bird comes up in many places in the Hebrew scripture, not least of which is the story of creation. But one of them is Psalm 91, which we've been using as our call to worship during this season of Lent. The sculptures that the children and youth brought forward this morning are inspired by that psalm. And what is she embracing? What is hidden in the shadow of her wings? She is holding a vessel full of prayer requests. The concerns and hopes and cares that each child is giving to God today. And for our worship today, these birds surround the city of Jerusalem representing all those people, including us, who Jesus longs to enfold. We explored the Psalms in faith formation last month, and one of the most important things that I hope our kids and youth learned in that unit is that the Psalms express the whole range of human emotions. Their presence in the Bible means that none of those feelings are off limits with God. We don't have to put our feelings on a back burner to be acceptable to God. God can handle all of our big feelings. And what I hope we can all see in our scripture this morning is the way that Jesus models a healthy and mature expression of emotions moving through anger and fear and sadness to eventually arrive at a place of compassion. I've talked to our kids and to many of you about how Lent is an appropriate season in which to slow down and examine the things that are broken in our world and in ourselves and to look for God in those places to pray for God's healing in those places. And oh my goodness, there are so many places of brokenness that we can look at. So much is not as it should be. So many people are hurting. 
And choosing to enter into that brokenness comes with so many big feelings. Anger at Putin. Fear about climate-related disasters. Guilt about ways that we have hurt others or let them down. And so much sadness for so many human lives needlessly lost. These feelings are far too big for any one human body to hold. But I wonder, maybe the body of Christ is big enough. Maybe we, knit together by the Spirit of God, bound through time and space to others who call Jesus home, Maybe we can hold these big feelings together long enough to witness divine compassion unfold within us and through us. This is my hope. Because one thing I have learned is that the work of healing, healing bodies and minds and spirits, healing communities, healing the world. This is not work we can do with our feelings on the back burner. Big feelings in life are not a distraction from this work. They are one of our tools. This month's healing service is scheduled for this Tuesday at 7 p.m. And we're going to be holding the people of Ukraine in prayer this week. That is the place of brokenness to which we will fix our gaze together. I hope that you can join us that night, in person or in spirit. I cannot promise that there will not be tears. I can promise that God will be there, enfolding us, and transforming our hearts into ones with an ever greater capacity for justice and peace. Amen.